Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And my name is Darren Kirst, and you can find me at Darren underscore Kirst. All righty. Welcome, Darren. Welcome to the show. It is such a pleasure to have you on here. It's, it's a the, you know, the pleasure's all mine. I'm happy to be here, too. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I, I discovered you from uh, a little book, or I should say uh, it's, a, it's not, not such a little book. But um, this book was recommended to me um, just from the people that I follow on Twitter. There's so many great people that are part of the DC Cinematic Universe fandom, uh, whether it's on Vero or Twitter. And I've seen this book pop up. Uh, from time to time. It's called The Snyderverse Saga. Uh, you wrote this book, and um, it is just a fantastic collection of the history that this DC Cinematic Universe has gone through uh, uh, in Hollywood. And uh, I wanted to to invite you on board, not only to, to talk about the book, but to also revel in some of the great moments of Zack Snyder's Justice League. So um, I was wondering if you could first tell us... Uh, When did you decide that you wanted to write this book? (laughs) That is an excellent question. So, I mean, I I mean, for a long, I've been, I've been a part of the fandom for a long time. I mean, I, I mean, going all the way back, you know, Man of Steel, I was so incredibly excited for that movie and it was everything I hoped it would be. Um, I've never been more excited for a movie than Batman v Superman done Mm -hmm. a justice. So, I mean, that was just my two favorite characters growing up and they're going to be in a movie together. And I was just a fan of everything. So I was just, I was so excited for that movie. And then of course with, you know, the Snyder cut, right? Like, I I mean, with the theatrical justice league, I think that kind of left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Right. So, I mean, even from the start, I've always been following along and, you know, with all the, the, you know, the hash, the hashtag release the Snyder cut and the the whole movement for, you know, raising funds for AFSP and while also raising awareness for the movie itself. And, you know, I bought all the t-shirts and was, you know, following along, mm-hmm. of course, but, you know, there's so many incredible people in the fandom that have done such amazing things, right? You know, I think of the nerd queens with Justice Con and, yes, yes. You know, mm-hmm. and so, there, and there's so many great people out there doing such great stuff. You mentioned Scott McClellan. Um, so, I, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of really cool people out there and I've always kind of wanted to, to, to do something for the fandom and, and for Zach and these movies, but I just didn't really like know for a while what that would be. You know, I didn't know how, what to do. And I kind of had to look at my strengths and I was like, well, I've been a writer for a while. You know, I used to write um, long form articles for a couple of different websites. Um, I used to write for uh, Real Anarchy that they used to be called um, okay. DC yeah, Film yeah, Sub. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. I used to write with like, you know, uh, John Aaron Garza and Ben mm-hmm. Everts and Craig. So I used to write for them for a lot. Uh, talked a lot about DC stuff. And then I also wrote for a website called The Pop Break for a while. And mm-hmm. um, doing mostly a lot, a lot of stuff like TV reviews and movie reviews and stuff like that. So um, long form articles has kind of been my thing. Like, you know, I think of Forbes, right? You know, like uh, like Mark Hughes, you know, big shout out. I've always been a fan of his. And um, so that's kind of my thing. And, you know, I was like, well, I'm a writer. So I just kind of took that and I kind of viewed this project as like a, a long article that just keeps going and going and going. And yeah. You know, in a lot of ways, the book writes itself because a lot of the stuff that happened was just so crazy and bizarre, you know. Yes. So that's, yeah. I would say I started it probably 
late 2019, early 2020, like right before COVID hit. Yeah, it's it's kind of um, not scary, but they're reading reading these chapters, and as the history started to to progress further and, and get closer to where we are in the present, as I was reading Man of Steel, and especially got when I got into the Batman versus Superman section, it started to get a little bit more like I remember each and every moment that you're talking about, every single paragraph, or like something else happens, so you know. Jesse Eisenberg got casted. Ben Affleck got casted. Like the snowball effect that was happening into where the result was for when Batman v Superman was released in theaters and and the aftermath of all that. It's like I remember those moments on the internet for better and worse. And it's like you said, it writes itself when you start reading and you go, I remember that. I remember that. I remember. It's like kind of... uh, I, I would I would say overall just bittersweet, you know, just to to remember those times, but also remember um, just all the chaos that was happening over fighting over a, a comic book movie. the The internet was very polarized at that time, and it continues to be so. I mean, we have uh, we're living in a uh, post the Flash world now, um, and the and the and the internet continues to be divided um, just about DC films. Um, so. It is a it is a, a wild time to be a DC fan. Um, I wanted to ask you about the the artwork in the book because I noticed each part there's an illustration in there and then even on the cover there's like this beautiful almost looks like something Zack Snyder would put uh, <laughs> like like yeah. kind of like a, a a fan illustration. It reminds me of like um, when Zack Snyder does like his uh, Star Wars edits for May the Fourth and all that stuff. Um, I was wondering if you could tell me a little about the illustrations. Is that your work or is that a friend of yours? That is an excellent question. So it is not mine. I am not great when it comes to illustrating. Uh, I, I seek to, I sought out help for that aspect of it because I knew I, that's something that I couldn't necessarily do, or at least people would be like, it wouldn't be professional, right? So yeah. uh, for, for the illustrations inside the book, I sketched kind of like roughly what I was kind of looking for, like the mm-hmm. elements that were going to be in each illustration because it ties into that section as a whole. Because in the, in the book, there's, five main sections, you know, Man mm-hmm. of Steel, uh, BVS, uh, what I, what I call, um, Gotham roast well done for yes, section yeah. three. And then section four is kind of like a remembrance because at the, at the time that was kind of the end of the Snyderverse, you know, mm-hmm. there wasn't a guaranteed Snyder cup. It wasn't going to happen at that time. So that was kind of like that, like moment to reflect, you know, and then the, the big push at the end, the big movement for Zack Snyder's justice thing all the way to the end. So, um, for the for the illustrations and the book cover, what we did was um, I worked with a company called Paper Raven Books, and they helped me publish the book. And what we did was we ran this contest online on a on a platform called a website called uh, Ninety Nine Designs. And what, when you when you go on there, you say, "Hey, um, we're looking for a book cover, and here's kind of roughly what the book's about and what we're kind of the style that we're kind of looking for." And then people can for like a week or two can submit their version. Of what of, of their version of the book cover, and then after that, I basically we narrow it down and I pick a winner. Wow, that's actually pretty cool. I, yeah, that's, that's really good resource. That I'm gonna have to write that one down for a future <laughs> reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fun. I mean, it was really difficult because we had like a couple hundred different submissions to go through, and there was there were some amazing ones that I, I that I literally could not pick because it's some like, of them were like like well, the, the big thing is like. Obviously, I didn't get like seek out like 
permission, like for copyright, right? Because I couldn't mm-hmm. use I couldn't use a picture of Zach, right? Like I couldn't use a picture of Ben Affleck as Batman, right? Like I couldn't, you know, because of copyright, you know. So mm-hmm. I kind of had to have some fun with it. And there were some great ones. Like there was one that had a picture of Zach, but he had like the red eyes, like Henry Cavill Superman. And I was like, Oh, that's amazing, but I can't use it. So uh, there was a lot of those kind of stuff, but, but no, for the book cover itself, it was actually technically going to be one of the illustrations in the book, but it was so amazing. I just, I had to use it for the, for the cover. Um, and that was basically like a reference to like Joseph Campbell quote, you know, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And wow, so, um, it, it was, it's really cool. And then for the illustrations themselves, um, yeah, they're kind of reflective of like each section. And, and we, I, I we did, ran a contest for the man of steel one. I, I think it was man of steel. It one with, uh, yeah. And then, um, that person, um, uh, Nirmalia Singa just did the rest of them for me. So. Wow. Wow. Fantastic work. And kudos to, to that person as well. Um, yeah, I mean, the book is, is stacked with, with just, history of what's what's happened in this dc cinematic universe from a filmmaking standpoint everything that's going on behind it but also the illustrations are um kind of like a nice treat when you hit a new part and you're like oh that's such such beautiful artwork i I really enjoyed that um especially uh the beginning with like the tree and like the falling leaves and oh yeah that's the the, the prologue right yes Mm -hmm. yes the prologue one that just really reminded me of uh, the opening to BVS with, with the with the leaves falling on yeah. the Warner Brother logo. Yeah, and yeah. the other the other cool thing with that one too that I thought was really interesting was um, it was uh, just a little you know sneak peek you know just a, little, a little tease that was actually kind of my way of referencing um, Autumn Frost, which was the working title for Man of Steel when they yes. were shooting. So I thought that was kind of a fun way to reference Autumn Frost, and also I dedicated the book to Autumn Snyder's memories yes, too. Yeah. So um, that was a, a cool way to, to add to that tribute as well. Yeah, excellent, excellent imagery all the way through, really. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've been kind of inspired by uh, an art style called surrealism. So I got to <laughs> get to play with that where it's like, and, and Zach's great with that too, because like he, he'll have something on the screen and it'll mean one thing, but it also kind of means something else at the same time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was kind of inspired by that too. Absolutely. Big, big yeah. fans, big fans of that over here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Totally, totally. Um, so cool. Well, n- well, now that you know Zack Snyder's Justice League is is a thing. I mean, we'll be talking about a minute of it today. But now that it's out, it's 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 fully realized. Um, what what's been your? <laughs> tell us a little bit about your your uh, your thoughts on Zack Snyder's Justice League as a, as a movie. I'm so glad that I can actually watch this movie. You know, because <laughs> for for yep. so long. Like, I just wished I could, but I couldn't because, it, you know, like I would I, I kept, you know, track of all the different, you know, artwork and images and stuff that was kind of, you know, found or revealed or whatnot from the movie. And I was like, man, I wish I could just come home from work and watch it, but I can't, yep. you know, and and to, to be able to do that now is just amazing. And, and I think the movie is incredible. I think I, I truly think all in all, I mean, I know Chris Terrio has talked about how it's a miracle that it's as good as it is and that they shot as much of the original script as, as they did. And I, I just think it's, I think truly it's the ultimate DC movie experience. I really do. When, when it did come out, did you, did you get off work and were like, I need to watch this or. And well, and the crazy thing was, is that, um, cause see, that would have been 2021. I think we were, um, cause I work at elementary school. 
At least I did at that oh, time. Oh, okay. And um, I think for whatever reason, I'm trying to remember because that would have been in March 2021. I think we might have been on spring break or something because I didn't have work that day. Or, mm-hmm. So I, w- I woke up and I, I watched it like as, as soon as it released on HBO Max. And yeah, that was, that was an exciting experience. And that was definitely a, a much less hectic uh, experience than me watching the theatrical version of Justice League. Yeah. Oh yes, oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was one of those. What it was a like a three a.m. four a.m. drop. So I yeah, think we watched like maybe like a, a little bit and was like, ah, we can't, we gotta save this. And then yeah, didn't it? Didn't, we did watch it um, the day it came out, but in the evening. But I remember mm-hmm. it releasing. Everyone was talking about the Snyder Cut on 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 the internet, on Twitter, and all that. And I was like, I could watch it right now, yeah. but I need to wait until tonight and then we all watched it together so it uh, was, it's, gonna uh, the, it's gonna be the longest wait ever it was, it was i mean it was it was it was but the payoff <laughs> the payoff was excellent it really was um it was i mean it was an, an amazing at-home movie watching experience um, yeah and then again i'll echo what you were saying it's you know one of the best dc movies that i think has ever come out and it's you know and it actually tells a a completed story <laughs> yeah yeah because uh, I, i'll mimic it what we said last week but there wasn't because of it's in parts and i remember it hit like part five something darker mm-hmm. or, um and we we paused it and we all like collectively sat outside on the patio and just took a break and we were just like whoa it's <laughs> Our minds were blown already from what we had seen. We talked a lot about what we had just watched. We didn't finish the movie yet, but it was just like that like moment of having to step outside and be like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you get all the other stages of like, how could they have said no to this, yada, yada. You know, there's, there's so much like, um, I guess, anger that comes with it and being and finally seeing it and being like, Thank you. Was it that hard to put this out? And, <laughs> uh, and, yeah, apparently it was. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and then, and and to not even want to continue it, or, or to even say that the movie was unwatchable, which was a quote that they said that they didn't want to release this film because of it. Um, which makes you think, like, if it was like in like a file, like just on some server, and it was like broken up into so many like rough edits and stuff like that. So it was like, well, it's unwatchable. We're like, well, duh, because we didn't put it. In the in the editor, yeah, yeah. It's like we didn't render it out, duh. Like you can't watch it, you know. <laughs> it was someone that actually said, literally, it's unwatchable. I can't access the file. I don't have the <laughs> password to that computer. We don't know Zack Snyder's password. Yeah, but yeah, that's also the thing is that Zack Snyder was working on this movie all the time, uh, you know, at, at his home and his, you know, with his colleagues. And it's of course, it's like yes, there's a version that you're not watching and and not seeing like the true potential that this film had, but um, we digress a little bit. Um, but it's just like, now that the Snyder Cut, or Zack Snyder's Justice League, is is out and it's fully released, and we see it now, I think over time, um, we, we see how good we had it. Seeing the, the all that is good in, in, in this movie, and, and, not, and how it... Um, progresses the characters from Batman v Superman, just like Batman v Superman has, has progressed um, some of the choices that Superman made in Man of Steel. Like, over time, to have 
these connected parts, these movies, and to tell a larger story, it's more than just seeing this version of Justice League just to see this story, but also how it was going to connect this DC Cinematic Universe that it seems like Warner Brothers in DC is still chasing and not realizing that they already had it. Um, and, and, and this is like the missing puzzle piece. And so now that we have it, we, we see the connections. We see where it was going. Um, because before then, uh, even before Justice League came out, and to have Superman die in, in his second movie, it's just like a lot of people were angry. A lot of people didn't know what was going on with this universe. It seemed like it was rushing. And now we're in a period where post Zack Snyder's Justice League, it just seems like we're still rushing to catch up to something that we already had. So um, overall, just it's a fantastic movie. Um, we're going to be talking about minute 116 today, which is going to start with um, Cyborg not thinking that Batman was real before. And then the minute's going to end with Dr. Silas Stone defending our innocent janitor, Howard Jensen, who's played by Anthony Wise. Um, Silas Stone, obviously, played by Joe Morton. Um, and so, yeah, let's get into this one. Um, anyone have uh, some opening thoughts for Minute 116 of Zack Snyder's Justice League? Yeah, my opening thought is, um, in my opinion, this is, um, like, one of the most uh, uh, Ben Affleck's Ben Affleck has gotten in, in, in the suit <laughs> and in, in character. Um, there's a line of dialogue that he says to Flash when they're, like, hunched over or whatever, and he says, what is it, uh, good guess good bet something like that um, yeah yeah Wait. that is like there's no <laughs> i hear that and i don't want to say that i'm taken out because i'm not i'm fully immersed but i hear that and i go hey ben <laughs> full, through and through you could put that just sound kit clip into any ben affleck film and be like yeah, I'm pretty sure that fit in there. Unless someone's gonna be like, you know, there was a one line of dialogue that just didn't add up. You know, it's, but but it seems like it just matches up perfectly with just how uh, Ben is. <laughs> um, but I think that also uh, plays to the 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 natural way of acting um, that he was when he brought himself into this character. Um, it's kind of like it's not over the top. It's not, you know. It's dark and gritty. It's not, you know, it's not Batman sitting there brooding. He's not like a brooding Batman. You can see that this character is uh, thinking, is trying to do something, um, especially in an instance where he's never been before. Um, but it definitely seems like, uh, I, I don't know. It's just, that's Ben Affleck. It's great. I love it. Uh, I think it's also <laughs> really good, just the the humor that, and not, not to dive too much into these DC movies having humor. Um, but it's a really good example of Batman humor that you would read in the comic books. Mm -hmm. And it's like, like what, how can Batman be funny? Well, one line saying, delivery. Yeah. Yeah. Good guess. Yep. Uh, and, and that kind of, it's also one of the best shots that like, well, like it serves the suit well because there's oh. been some there's been some talk about the Batman suit in this yeah. one versus how it looked in BVS, and you know, over time, Ben Affleck's Batman suit has kind of 
gone into a, a realm that I don't like. But um, <laughs> but we're staying this, here. We're in this one. But in this shot here, where he where Flash is behind him talking about Steppenwolf, it, it's it's like that that makes the suit look yeah, fantastic. That's the most well lit bat suit you've ever seen on screen. Honestly, yeah. like you've and like there's something. It's the eyes. It really is the eyes. Maybe it's because not much of the white of his eyes is showing. It doesn't look like a person put on a mask because when you get those close-ups and you do have just especially with cowls you see it all the time it'll look like a halloween costume this doesn't look like a halloween costume um no it just looks great I yeah know. it reminds me more of like the ivan ray's uh like jeff john's new very 52, much so. justice league very much uh, so but yeah. i mean still with that they had you know he white eyes you know there yes was no- but in that shot you kind of it looks like a comic book panel yeah, almost. So, uh, Darren, what are your thoughts? I don't mean to steal the, uh, all Absolutely. the talking points. <laughs> no, no. I mean that was very well said. I, I agree. I think that's really cool shot, and you also see like Flash hovering over him too, and like, that was really cool. But but even going from that then into like when they go across that that gap that uh, opening where they gotta they, and they u- all utilize their different like abilities to get over to there. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just super cool too, and it's I don't know. I mean the way that like he just that Batman. You know, he shoots it and he like almost glides over, and then Cyborg just easily just kind of like floats over <laughs> to the. You know, <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was super cool too. Yeah, we talked about it um, Friday last in our last episode, but it's almost like a little appetizer. You get you get a little treat of what each superhero is about to do because this yeah. this week that we're going to get into, we get into you know the first the first confrontation between the Justice League and Steppenwolf, and so this is a fantastic week. Right. Uh, to talk it's a about. sampler. It's a Justice League sampler. You get it's the sampler plate. Sampler. There you go. Yeah. There you, you, go. Get, yeah. you get three of each item or whatever it is. You know, you get yeah. your mod sticks, your jalapeno. <laughs> you get and... f- four wings, four mod sticks, yeah. and, you know, onion rings. It's all fried food. But anyways, um, there's another line that happens here with the Justice League as they prepare to confront Steppenwolf. And something I really um, thought was important to, to notate which character gets to say it. But Wonder Woman is the one telling Batman, who's like the king of stealth and being a detective and all that stuff, <laughs> saying, you go around the other side and we will surround Steppenwolf and we'll take him by surprise. I thought that was a really interesting um, decision on who gets to say that, because, of course, Batman being um, this, this ninja, right, uh, that Wonder Woman is still like the strategy, the one that's so smart, um, when it comes to, to combat um, and, and being related to the God of War, um, that she's the one who says how we will have a tactical advantage to, uh, against Steppenwolf. I thought that was a really um, important line of dialogue for her, and she also contributes as a team to, to, this, um, to this Steppenwolf issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense that she's taking point on this. One, because... What more? It makes more sense that she's taking point, and Batman is still like following, uh, in a sense, still um, out of his league a little yeah, bit. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, it's an alien, you know. It's a it's a giant alien that's picking a guy up. Yeah, that's like it, it's still so, like I I can just imagine Batman falling back into that realm of like you know where he was on Striker Island during the Doomsday fight. Where he's just an onlooker of these things. And he's like, I don't know what I'm doing here. You know, I was, my plane crashed and I was about to get laser beamed. 
And this woman came and fell out of the sky and saved my life. Now, like, I've looked to her for everything, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's the contrast between that and what we actually have been, um, ha- have just seen in the past with these characters, especially if you'd, like, just look back between Justice League Animated, where there was a prominent Batman-Wonder Woman relationship. Um, it still did seem like Batman had, you know, knew everything. He would be the one saying, like, that's Steppenwolf, he's the king of the, the aliens, and he does all this, and he drives this car, and all that stuff, you know? Um, but with this, it's like, Batman, this, you know, rich nerd sad kid from Earth doesn't know <laughs> what the hell is going on with this, you know? Yeah. I gotta talk to the girl that fought the aliens and fought the monsters from other worlds before, so please lead the way. Yeah, please take it away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of aliens, Darren, what, what are your thoughts on Steppenwolf here in this in this version of the film? Uh, incredible. I mean, when it came out, I was like, obviously the movie MVP for me have, definitely has to be Ray Fisher's Cyborg, Victor Stone. But I mean, my runner-up, my honorable mention, has got to be Steppenwolf. I mean, the vast, vast improvement, not only to the way Steppenwolf looks in this movie, which is impeccable, it's amazing, mm-hmm. but also just the, the characterization, the way that the performance is, um, from Kieran Hines is just it's it's awesome. So I mean I mean what an incredible villain and not really just like a true like villain villain, but also I mean there's a point to Steppenwolf like he's just trying to get home, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're almost like you almost feel bad for him in a sense at the same time. So it's conflicting and it's the the right kind of antagonist for a, a movie like this. I think is just uh, incredible the way that they brought Steppenwolf to life, especially someone who's not really like one of the top tier. Justice League villains, like in the yeah. comics, right? You know, this is this isn't when, when you think of the first Justice League movie ever made, you're probably not thinking Steppenwolf being the villain, but they, I mean, Steppenwolf has done so well that it's incredible. Probably my favorite DC villain performance of all. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is fantastic. I mean, um, like we talked about before, the the fact that this movie can say, or, or you know, that Warner Brothers say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna release this movie. And then in, in, in the time that they had to finish the VFX for, for Steppenwolf and, and to remove the version that we saw in 2017 and replace it with this original version, the VFX for Steppenwolf in this movie is phenomenal. And just considering the time or even, even out of context, if you just look at the movie, the design of the character is fantastic. But um, there, whatever the, the team that handled putting this character in a finalized state is like congratulations and whatever time crunch you did i don't know if it was blood sweat and tears but uh the final product looks amazing on on film and and just this moment here where he's carrying the janitor um there's it's just i just i get um captivated by the armor i get captivated by the design of this character he looks menacing he looks cool like you know when when you talk about um merchandising and and what makes these dc superhero movies um profitable to to the companies that make them and and they want to see that financial return it's like when you have a cool villain that looks cool and and has a backstory that you that you can get into and sometimes you have those moments of like well they bring up a good point kind of thing um it's 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 a steppenwolf like this that that makes you go I would buy that action figure or I would buy this with that character on it or that character looks really cool. Let me pay $10 for a Fortnite skin or something like that. And in some other video game, you know, like there's, there's stuff like that that happens 
because you put so much investment in, in this character to to have this kind of payoff. And and in this minute here, where we see um, uh, a Steppenwolf interrogating this this janitor, there was a couple minutes earlier in the film that we talked about where he's interrogating the Atlanteans that that they um, that they had um, uh, kidnapped, or I don't know what the adult term for kidnapping is. Uh, but uh, it's like interrogating those people, and it's like you get to just enjoy Steppenwolf being this um, black knight for for Darkseid, and it's um, it's it's that kind of raw power that Steppenwolf brings that makes you go, that's 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 cool. I'm enjoying my time watching this Steppenwolf versus the other version of the film that just seemed to just have um, a standing villain. In, in the yeah, spot, yeah, just a monster with some bad armor. <laughs> um, but yes, um, one of the one of the moments I really liked about this minute here is when he's interrogating um, Howard, the janitor, and when he decides, you know, he's of no use to me. I'm not going to finish um, extracting all of uh, you know all the memories from his brain with this little spider droid. He then throws Howard against the wall and as he goes to pick up Silas Stone the camera decides to focus a little bit on 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 the robot uh spider and uh I really enjoy the shot where it kind of like follows the spider as it crawls up the leg of Steppenwolf and then onto the shoulder then onto the hand and then onto uh or, or getting close to uh Silas Stone I thought that shot was really well done because it really it illustrates everything. It illustrates that Steppenwolf's attention is now on Silas, that he's going to pick up Silas, and so uh, cinematically, you're you know Joe Morton is going to be picked up by some sort of crane or, or some green screen um, object or, or people, and so they'll they'll do that in post, and so and then of course we're going to use this little element, which is the spider, to to track your eyes to grab your eyes and and show you the motion of how everything comes together and so there's something that is just kind of magical about that shot where the spider um crawls up and and directs how the movie is going to direct the story a little bit so i really enjoyed um that moment force perspective yes there you go well that's different yeah well yes (laughs) yeah and then you know in terms of like steppenwolf's armor too uh it's, it looks great just the way it is, right? Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, it also, like, moves across his body like like a crowd at, like, a baseball stadium doing the wave, you know? Like, mm-hmm. the fact that it does that, like, almost constantly, I mean, that's got to be a lot of work to do, too, I imagine, for VFX artists. Oh, yeah. So, just, I mean, what a really cool concept. Yeah, absolutely. To have all these moving parts and... and, and, and to keep track of it right because i mean it's not it's not one thing to say okay we'll move elements they'd have to probably number them too and be like okay l1 l2 l3 l4 of each little motion and if they say okay well this one's gonna vibrate and this one's gonna move up and down that we make sure that the wave continues and doesn't and doesn't break in any way that um breaks the visual effects and it does a fantastic job i mean some of them even have to like uh, intersect and and kind of um, almost like gears, like they have to like fill in the gaps of each other as they move, and you can't have any of those splinters uh, pass through each other like like polygons would uh, in a video game. So it's it's stuff like that that um, 
you know, when, when CGI is noticeable, like, obviously you could say, like, oh, C- Steppenwolf is just all CGI. It's like, yeah, congratulations. You figured that out. But no one's ever saying, oh, you know, the the fourth splinter on his finger, like, is, um, like, breaking through the, the other splinter and, 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 and uh, removing this, uh, the connection of disbelief for, for visual effects. And that's because CGI is working and it's being successful in what it's trying to do. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's stuff like that. I always, I always appreciate. So this character looks phenomenal. And, and of course all the, all the parademons behind them, right? Like they're visual effects as well. And, uh, nobody questions that they're just focused on that Steppenwolf is, is CGI. So sometimes people get a little carried away, but, um, Cyborg is CGI. Cyborg, <laughs> Cyborg is, is visual effects in this as well. And as we, you know, he's standing with the rest of the Justice League. We we don't question it because it doesn't stand out. It doesn't look unfinished. It doesn't look um, like a CGI person standing with people in costume. And so he blends in very well. And again, that goes back to um, just how amazed I am that they're able to to give us a movie that that looks truly finished. Um, after being withheld for so long. One thing about the, there's, there's a couple of things about this, this minute, I guess. And I mean, the film in general, but that stands out to me in this minute early on too, is uh, number one, like the cinematography and the lighting, like we mentioned earlier from Fabian Wagner. Awesome job. Yes. Uh, it kind of like lends itself to that Zack Snyder Gotham aesthetic. And it also kind of helped brings out kind of that, like that sheen or shine to like Sepimus armor. And then, um, just like the set from Patrick Totopoulos in general, you know, it's unexpected, but it makes sense as a location. Cause I mean, you can recreate it at an indoor studio stage, right. And all these heroes and their, you know, godlike abilities, right. And they're underground, almost looking down at Steppenwolf, kind of like in the, like a devilish biblical sort of sense, mm-hmm. which in a funny way, kind of, it ties on, you know, to the quote later on for Batman in, in the movie, you know, and also kind of subverts the, the Lex Luthor line from BVS about devils coming from the sky. So it's just the, the way that that they, that they actually, the, the conception of this scene and the sequence as a whole and the set piece is also something that I think is just, the more I think about it, the more I appreciate it, I guess. Yeah. I, I really enjoy that. Nathan. It really is. I mean, it's just belly of the beast, uh, you know, inferno, layers of hell kind of thing it's you know godzilla i mean what do you what do you want from me um, <laughs> yeah it's just it's really cool just that i mean that idea of the imagery of them having to go down below underground and actually see things like this massive tunnel um you know broken decaying buildings it just seems like a decrepit you know uh <laughs> godless place and yet here these gods are coming in to save the day um it really is like just beautiful (laughs) it's beautiful storytelling it's really cool um it's about to get uh amped up if you will um so uh we're, we're going to be seeing some excellent uh day one justice league first day on the job justice league stuff and um it, it really doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great point that you brought up, Darren, about uh, Patrick Tatopoulos. Um, that there's a lot um, in, in this scene that, that mirrors New 52 with Batman being in the sewer, chasing down this parademon, um, that he, in, in the book, that he's 
tracking down or, or trying to find more about one parademon. Um, and um, the way that Steppenwolf and his army first um, take over Pajornov, and Pajornov is very um, uh, abandoned, isolated, um, derelict even, and, and to use this, um, what did we call it, ventilation tower for the Metropolis Project, it, it keeps that same vibe because when we go to Pajornov and have that battle, it's like full 10, you know, turn it up to 11, the Justice League is here, everyone's doing everything in Pajornov. Yeah. And um, this lets us keep that kind of aesthetic, but also keep it more grounded, keep it um, more focused of a fight between the Justice League and, and Steppenwolf and, and Justice Ventilation Tower. So you get to keep that aesthetic, and like you said, it does... You know, it, it keeps Batman and his element in this um, uh, derelict Metropolis project. So, yeah, absolutely. Just the way that it all um, <laughs> keeps the same tone, I think, is, is the best yeah. way to describe it, right? So, uh, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Um, what happens here at the, at the end of this minute is just that uh, Cyborg has decided uh, that he's not going to go in quietly. So... Uh, he's here to protect his father, and uh, things are about to get pretty crazy. So um, that's all the notes I had. I don't know if anyone had any other notes for this minute. That wraps it up for me. Same here. Cool. All right. We're going to wrap up for today. If you've enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving a five-star review. It really does help the show and helps new listeners discover our show as well. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can chat with us on Twitter at DCEU Minutes. And if you'd like to hear more bonus content, we also have a Patreon for just $3 with tons of other podcasts to listen to. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one here on DC Cinematic Minute.